0: Over the past few weeks, we've been notified about the recipients of the Nobel Prizes, the peak of any academic's career.
1: I got called this morning at 2.50am. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations uh, for receiving the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. It's extraordinary. I mean, it's, it's surreal. So I expected uh, something might happen, but I knew there are other people that are in line to win Nobel Prizes.
0: But in mid September, an even more exclusive set of
1: awards were handed out. The awarding of the IG Nobel Prizes for demonstrating that sexual orgasms can be as effective as decongestant medicines at improving nasal. Breathing. Other
0: honours include the Peace Prize, which went to a multinational team of six researchers who wrote a paper looking at whether playing the didgeridoo can help cure snoring. And this year, a New Zealander took out the Ig Nobel Prize for chemistry with his research into the smell of fear. The
2: Ig Nobel Prizes ethos of it is out of trivial research comes some insight so humor but they all actually have some contribution beneath it.
0: There are 10 in total they're handed out every year. The awards founder Mark Abrahams says the one sole criteria for winning one is
1: you've done something that makes people laugh and then think.
0: I'm Emile Donovan and today on the detail the Ig Nobel Prizes satirical science and the importance of thinking outside the box.
3: They're obviously a scientific awards uh, ceremony.
0: Alan Blackman is a professor of chemistry at AUT and a science commentator on RNZ's Nine to Noon.
3: They not so much poke fun at science, but let's say they illuminate the quirky side of science.
1: The transportation prize. For determining by experiment whether it is safer to transport an airborne rhinoceros upside down.
3: Probably many listeners would agree that you don't really associate scientists with fun, no, or, or wit, or yeah. humour, or, or, or that sort of stuff. And um, you know, this this goes to show that yes, you know, there is there are some funny
0: people, there is some humour to be had. It, it's um, I mean, the way they're described is things that make you laugh and then make you think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is
3: now. It, it started off, actually, uh, or the awards started off when um, the, the tagline for research that cannot or should not be repeated. <laughs> <laughs> and then over the years, it has changed to, um, yeah, that what you said. Because I'm so, pretty
0: old, eh? 30-odd Th- years? Yeah, so 1991
3: was the first um, awards ceremony. The whole thing was started by a guy, Mark Abrahams.
1: Well, we vaguely thought that somebody might get angry enough to come and, and track us down and and chase us out into the wilderness. But that never happened. So uh, we, we've been a little surprised, but mostly pretty pleased that it's, it's gone on this long and, and grown every year.
3: At that time, he had just taken over um, the editorship of a journal, slightly satirical scientific journal called the Journal of Irreproducible Results. Uh-huh. He had been in that job for about oh, three or so years or something. And then something happened, there was a parting the ways or something, I'm not quite sure what, but he then left to form his own journal called the Annals of Improbable Research, or AIR. So it's been run under those auspices ever since that time, since um, 1994. So yeah, as you know, this this is 31 years now. It steadily built up a following, you know, 1991 with the very, very early days of the internet, so I can remember <laughs> not logging in and watching a video chat or anything like that, but, um, you know, being aware that this was going on.
0: Oh, so you followed
3: them for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. You're L- well-versed. Long, long-time fan. <laughs>
0: the, thing, the thing that they kind of remind me of, it, it's actually quite funny. Are you a fan of the, the Simpsons? Oh, God, yes. They remind me so much of Professor Frank. Like, I was watching a, <laughs> I was watching a clips compilation of Professor Frank inventions before. It's It's unsettling. <laughs> Yep. Yeah.
2: Do I detect a note of sarcasm? Are you kidding me? This baby is off the charts. Hi, right. the sarcasm detector. That's a really useful invention. We studied traffic patterns and found that drivers move the fastest through yellow lights. So now, we just have the red and yellow lights. <laughs> Yay.
3: And yeah, again, I think your Professor Frank is probably your stereotype of of, of chemists. Um, you know, the, the the white coat and the yeah. glasses and everything, which yeah. I believe, in, believe in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's probably a a, a nice uh, sort of example to use the the, the whole Professor Frank thing, but. You know these uh, these are taken quite a bit more seriously now than they were. I mean, when it when it started, I think you could pretty much say it was very, very tongue in cheek. And in fact, they did make up some fictitious awards in the first couple of years. But now people are actually travelling from overseas to be awarded these Ig Nobel prizes. You know, they're they're that popular now. The Ig Nobels are always held at Harvard. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, there's always um, real Nobel laureates there. You know, they they give out the awards. So, you know, it does have that sort of cachet. you know, it's it it, it is serious and um they have a mini opera every time yep. and um they get to throw paper darts. Yeah, so it's like a Ben Folds
0: concert. So uh, yeah. And it's got I think <clears throat> um the Museum of Bad Art showcases some of their pieces yep. at the Igno Bells. Yep. There are these funny little traditions. Miss Sweetie Pooh, you're familiar with that? Yes, like? yes
3: indeed, who sounds what I I'm I'm tired <laughs> shut up or something yeah. like that.
0: Miss Sweetie Pooh is a young girl, it's a different one each year whose job is to come out on stage when a speaker's been droning on a bit.
2: I'd like to thank the
0: many people who posed for our photos in the staff canteen. These include Bruce and Anderson, board. Bruce Please Belford, Sheila Carlyle, In a way, it's kind of mean, particularly when you see some of the winners sort of responding to this happening, you know, when they're actually giving, like, a a genuine, heartfelt kind of speech. But also, I imagine as someone who's presumably attended many academic conferences, that this will probably be welcomed at at a lot of them.
3: Oh, yes, very Uh, much so, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, New Zealand actually has quite a rich history in Ig Nobel Prize winners. In 2016, Otago University senior lecturer Dr Sheila Ferguson and her PhD student Mark Avis, who's now at Massey won an improbable research prize for exploring a well-documented concept in marketing. Here's Dr. Ferguson to explain.
2: Brand personality. So it's taking essentially a human personality measurement scale and applying it to brands to be able to understand some of the elements of the value and equity
0: of a brand. So far, pretty standard academia. But here's the bit that earned them the Ig Nobel.
2: And then we all sat down and brainstormed about what would be the most ridiculous <laughs> thing that has no commercial element to it, nothing that could be associated in any way with a brand. And we came up with the category of rocks. And fortunately, at the University of Otago, we have an absolutely fabulous geology department Mm -hmm. with kind of a rock library. So we went and got three really, really different in the research. We actually have pictures of them. One's very smooth and shiny and a kind of a flint. Mm. One is a pumice and the other one's a very quartz-like jagged one. Mm. So they were uh, appearance Wise, they were really different looking, and then we you, we replicated the methodology across. Oh God, I think it was two hundred and fifty odd research participants, and we must admit we did give an incentive. We gave a chocolate fish <laughs> for bribery. You rate. know, it was. I know. We were crazy with our our reimbursement. There were only about two who actually said this is this is a really strange request, and we can't really think of rocks as having a human personality. (laughs) Everyone else was able to ascribe these human-like personality traits to the rocks. And they were, some of them were even able to tell us a little bit of the story about the rocks. Mm-hmm. So not only were they able to do the tasks for the scale, but they'd, they'd given narratives to the rocks. I mean, one was emotionally distant from his family, and he probably rode a motorbike and he uh, worked, he was very high up in the city, whereas another one lived on the Otago Peninsula and kept... Chickens and, and had a very rustic style it gets so people were able to articulate these quite complete narratives
0: about them, yeah <laughs> so it's kind of the concept is sort of the idea that humans almost anthropomorphize. Ascribe human emotions and um, and sentiments to uh, you know c- corporations, brands, words, and 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 logos and colours on a page, and you sort of wanted to demonstrate that that is actually sort of faintly ludicrous.
2: That was our, our purpose precisely. Our initial intent was not to be humorous, mm. uh, but we did want to make it faintly ridiculous. That was possibly. Uh, a goal there. We tried to think of the least likely category that we could, and rocks was what we came up with. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, I understand that you couldn't make it to the ceremony due um, to ill health no. which is very sad
2: i was really sad because um, it was sounded really cool going to harvard and being gathered together with a group of other researchers there was one in particular that stays in my mind who was nominated at the same time as we were he lived as a goat
1: thomas thwaites had a set of prosthetic legs built and spent 3 days Living among goats in the Alps. He did it because he he wanted a simpler life. And he says it was fascinating. A little bizarre though. Waits co-won an IG Nobel Prize for Biology with another man who tried living as several different animals.
2: And I'm sure it's come to your notice. Uh, doing this research as well, is that there is actually someone who was nominated for an Ig Nobel Prize and then won a Nobel Prize. I don't know, I think it was 10 years later. That's right. So any moment now...
3: (laughs) The 2005 Agricultural History Award. Now, this is a really interesting one, actually, and possibly some listeners might know about this. Um, The significance of Mr. Richard Buckley's exploding trousers. Way back in the 20s or 30s, uh, they were looking to get rid of weeds on all of the farmland. And so they had a thing called sodium chlorate, uh, which, as anybody out there knows who's got a bit of chemistry training, if you heat that, it does go bang, bang. And so they're making up lots and lots of these aqueous solutions of sodium chlorate, spraying it all over the farm, etc., etc., etc. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then one guy took off his uh, trousers and um, decided to dry them by the fire. Don't think he washed them beforehand. And <clears throat> those trousers exploded. Come so, on. yeah, that was presented to James Watson of Massey University. So he won it for that. And the 2010 Physics uh, Award went to a bunch of workers at Otago, and it's very, very apt for today. Snow has begun falling on South Island roads and could fall to sea level in Christchurch and further south a little bit later. Because they found that uh, on icy footpaths in wintertime, people slip and fall less often if they wear socks on the outside of their shoes. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty sensible stuff. The funny ones, um, the 1999 Managed Healthcare. I love this one. This is, this is great. Um, so this is a patent uh, for inventing an apparatus for facilitating the birth of a child by centrifugal force.
1: This device consists of a large round table and some machinery. When the woman is ready to deliver her child, she lies on her back, she's strapped down to the table, and the table is rotated at high speed. The child comes flying out (laughs) through centrifugal force.
3: The 2000 Physics Award. Now, this is kind of interesting, actually. This is all about levitating frogs with magnets. And um, one of the guys on this paper was a guy by the name of Andre Geim, and um, any physicists out there would know that he won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 2010, which makes him the only winner of an Ig Nobel Prize and a
0: Nobel Prize. So he wins the Ig Nobel in 20 In 2000. In two, in 2000. In and a decade two, later wins yep. the Nobel Prize.
3: For something entirely different. <laughs> for the invention of graphene. But um, And and, and it's really interesting because um, you sort of asked me the question uh, off-air about um, whether any of these sort of works had gone on to sort of breed something that was sort of, well, sensible for want of a better word. And um, his work has actually because apparently the Chinese are very, very interested in um, magnetic levitation as um, sort of uh, making a um, space that would approximate lunar gravity. And so they're doing that now with magnets apparently. Wow and um so this follows on from guy's work so you know, it's not it's not all stupidity. You know, the important thing about this, this isn't all just for fun. These, these are real scientific, well, the majority of them, it, are real scientific studies done by people generally in tertiary institutions around the world. You know, pro- professors and, and PhD students and postdocs and stuff like that and being published in scientific journals for the most part. 2013 Medicine Prize, uh, assessing the effect of listening to opera on mice which have had heart transplant operations. <laughs> <laughs> And again, you think, well, what the heck? You know, how, how could that possibly relevant to anything? And in fact, what they found was if you play opera or Mozart to these mice who've had heart transplant operations, their rates of survival are better than if they listen to, and quite specifically, Enya. <laughs> so that's, you know, that seemed to be for real. And so obviously, if it works in mice, then it might well work in humans, humans. you know.
0: Which are your favourites from this year? Well, the weird one about the scorpion. Yeah, it's great. Oh my goodness. Can you tell us about that? Yeah,
3: so basically if you're a scorpion, you've got two types of death, really. Uh So if you're getting attacked by some predator, then what you can do is shed a body part... Okay so if you're in a big fight you can shit a body part predator picks at that you run away uh-huh. but trouble is when you do that um it takes some of your digestive tract with it and you end up getting severe constipation <laughs> And eventually you die of constipation. So you've got two choices of how to die. You can either fight to the death or die of constipation. I don't know which one I'd choose. Really. I know which one I think, I'd choose. I don't think I'd go for the constipation. I don't I'm think sick. I
0: would either.
3: But, and, and you might think this is irrelevant, but the whole point of this was that somebody <laughs> wanted to study um, the possibility of mating while you had that severe constipation. What does that do to your mating chances? Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, the is pretty bloody... Blindingly obvious, Uh, And and, and indeed it was. Indeed it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so your mating chances fall like a stone. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) It's not survival of the fittest. (laughs) I like the one which suggested that ice cream can help prevent um, oral mucositis. (laughs) That's right, yes. That
3: that was in um, cancer therapy. That's right, yeah. Or something like that. When you take a specific
0: kind of cancer drug, one of the side effects is that you're... You, you can develop um, nasty sores mm, and so on in yeah. your mouth, and ordinarily this is addressed by sucking on ice chips, but apparently ice cream is more
1: more effective, <laughs> considerably
0: more effective, actually. Yep, yep. I imagine that chemistry would be an area where this happens, where... Uh, a discovery might lie dormant like a volcano for oh, many years. Oh, yes,
3: very, very much so, And yes.
0: then become very relevant, perhaps in a completely different context to how it was conceived.
3: Well, that's, that's exactly right. In fact, the um, Chemistry Nobel Prize this year that was has just been announced um, is exactly that, that... Um, it built on work that was about oh at the time they went back to it, it must have been about 40 years old probably, okay. and and would have been published in some old journal and not really sort of used or anything like that and then one of these guys that won the Nobel Prize, you know, must have gone back to that journal one day and thought, oh, hey, that's not a bad idea, I'm going to try that for you know, something entirely different mm-hmm. and he did, and he ends up winning the Nobel Prize out of it, so and, you know, that's what you call blue skies research to a to a very great degree, I think. And had that original paper not been published, had that original work not been done, who knows? They might still have found this or it might have taken them longer to find it yeah. or they might not have found it at all. But I think, you know, to get slightly political here, that sure. um, the funding agencies nowadays, they um, almost require that you uh, – come up with the results of your proposal before you actually do the work. Mm. You know, this is what I'm going to achieve in the next five years. Boom, 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 boom. Mm. You can't know that. No. You know, and and I, uh, it just seems to be very, very short-sighted. Everything has to have an application. Mm everything has to have an application. You can't just do research for research's sake anymore. You're not going to get funded to do that. You've got you've got a promise to change the world.
0: Taking a step back, you know, we've laughed a lot, we've had a lot of fun here, but I can hear people of a certain disposition listening to this and thinking, you know, this is all well and good, but a lot of universities are taxpayer funded or receive endowments from the taxpayer, mm-hmm. and this is just silly stuff. I don't earn that much money, and a portion of what I earn is going to, you know, figuring out that the best way to transport rhinos is to carry them upside down. Upside down, down. Yes, you know, yes. Which uh, well, I, maybe that's not a great example because that's actually quite interesting. <laughs> but you, you see the point that yes, I'm making. I this do. is something that, 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 that science constantly comes up against, I suppose, is scarce resources and the best use of those to achieve results.
3: Yeah, and, I mean, when you look at what every person in every different academic discipline does, you know, I would be hard-pressed to understand or appreciate um the stuff that uh, people study in economics, for example, you know, I, that, that, that's over my head. I, I can't get my head around a lot of that stuff. Um, the stuff that I study wouldn't make any sense to somebody studying English literature or whatever, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing to myself here. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. It doesn't. It no disrespect, my oh, goodness. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, everyone, everyone is an expert in their own little area, but... The whole point of academia, and we shouldn't forget this, is teaching. That's that's the number one thing, isn't it? Because without students, we wouldn't have universities, mm. and we wouldn't have jobs. So teaching is absolutely vital. Research then, obviously, I, I believe, comes after that. And what are you doing with research? You... <sighs> are trying to advance knowledge. You're trying to look at things that haven't been done before. And thanks to the magnanimity of the taxpayer, um, we get to do that. Mm. And, you know, we get to do something we love. And, you know, that's an extraordinary thing. Look, it it won't change the world, despite what you have to put on grant applications. It's not going to change the world. You know, 0.0001% of all the research done at all the universities around the world, that might change the world. But everything else is... And I was going to use the word merely, but no, it's an advancement of knowledge. It's an advancement of human knowledge. And, you know, thanks to that work, we now know things that we didn't know yesterday. Yeah. And I think that's important.
0: The Yig Nobel Prizes, funny though they are, Mm. really do demonstrate the importance of creativity and the importance of flair and the importance of having a mind that can go to these places. Of
3: course, yeah, thinking outside the box, I yeah. think, as you said as you said earlier. I mean, you know, who would think of, um, you know, hamsters and, and, and jet lag, yeah. you know, and <laughs> all of those weird sorts of things. So, you know, as I've, as I've sort of been saying, these, these are real studies. These are serious studies. You know, they might have humorous titles and stuff like that, but they are serious studies. They are probably going to form, the majority of them are going to form the basis of somebody's PhD thesis. Yeah. Very, very, very probably. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's certainly no joke to those people, um, and sometimes it really helps to have a funny title mm. or a funny subject or something like that because that's the sort of stuff that gets into the media. Yeah. Look, witness this, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think what we are seeing and sort of websites dedicated now to. Papers that do have funny titles right. or very, very clever or puns or, you know, those sorts of things. Mm. And I think there's more and more and more of those. And I'm pretty sure there's been a study done that, you know, if you've got papers with those titles, those sorts yeah, of titles, yeah. they do tend to be referenced. Of course, there yeah. yeah, is. Yeah. Probably
0: yeah. behind English literatures. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Flo Wilson and produced by Alexia Russell and Sarah Robson, and thanks to Alan Blackman and Dr. Sheila Ferguson. Matewa.